to be back with you uh, this Sunday morning. Um, I want to say thanks to the board for some time away last week. Um, and if you were gone last week uh, traveling for the holiday, I just want to say welcome back. We're glad you're here. Um, normally, uh, if you're new with us here, normally at this point in the service, I would probably say something like, if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me too, and we would open up our, our Bibles. But um, we're headed towards summer, and we're headed toward the time of traveling and the time where there are all those photo ops. And so we'll get to the Bible in a minute, but we need to do something first this morning. If you have a cell phone this morning that has a camera on it, I want you to get it out right now. Maybe the first time a pastor at church has asked you to get out your cell phone. But if you have a cell phone with a camera on it right now, I want to ask you to get it out. You got it? You got it? We're going to just practice up for the summer because you're going to be in a lot of cool places, you know, maybe at the splash pad. I hear that's coming in. You're maybe at the splash pad with somebody you like and think is cute, and you might want to take pictures of those little kids running around. You might be on vacation somewhere, so we just need to practice today. So if you have a phone with a camera on it, um, take the phone and, and go to the camera app. You got the camera app up, so if you got the camera app up, you can probably see what's out there on your phone. Now, <clears throat> there's a a place on the camera app right here where there's a little camera with two arrows that kind of form a circle, and that makes the camera turn around and face you. You know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You got that? All right. Hit that right there. Hit that thing. Now, look at your, look at your phone or, or look at a seventh grader around you if you're lost at this point. Look at your phone. What do you see? Somebody said a monkey. <laughs> if you have followed my instructions to the letter, what you see is yourself. Now, if you're struggling with this and don't like the technology of it, just borrow um, the compact out of some lady's purse and open up it. You'll see the same thing. Strangely enough, um, when we opened the Bible... That is what we are supposed to see. Would it surprise you to know that when we open up the Scripture and we look into the Scripture, we're supposed to see ourselves. For the entire summer, we're going to be holding up our lives to the book of James. so that we can get a good look at what we're really like. So if you have your phone open, turn off the camera app and go to the Bible app. Or just get out a paper Bible like this one. Or just look at the screen up there behind me. Today we're going to read what many scholars say is the hinge on which the whole book of James turns. Now I'm going to say it. Would you stand with me together? And turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. It says this, Be hearers of the word, and not merely, excuse me, be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if they are hearers of the word, and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they are like. 
But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. Father, I pray that as we begin this week and we carry out through the summer, continually looking into the Word, I pray that you would show us what we are really like, and I pray that you would show us even more than that. It's in the blessed and the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. It's been said that confession is good for the soul, so this is your opportunity this morning. Um, If at any point in the morning before you left your house this morning, you took at least a glance and maybe even a longer look in the mirror, I want you to raise your hand. Tell the truth now. Come on. Uh, My hand is raised. There's no shame. You look in the mirror this morning. Okay, hands down. Those of you who raised your hands, I have a question for you. What color pants are you wearing? I caught you. I caught about five or six or seven of you. You know what they did? They looked down. In fact, I think a lady wearing a dress looked down. Now, that's just sad. Why'd you have to look down? Because you looked in the mirror this morning and you forgot what you look like. Mirrors, on cell, mirrors and, and cell phones, they show us about our physical appearance. The Bible shows us what our whole self is like. James says those who hear the word and do not act on it are like those who look in the mirror and go away and forget what they look like. Here at Broadway Church, we call people to the daily disciplines of of hearing from God by reading the word and hearing from God in prayer. We want people to hear the word of God, so we call everybody to, to those daily disciplines of hearing from God in the word and in prayer. It's kind of like just getting up in the morning. We, we open the Word. It's like looking in the mirror. We read the Word on a daily basis. So I've got another question for you. How many of you in the next three seconds can remember what you heard from the Word last Thursday morning? You'll notice my hand's not up either. Why is it that we can, we can hear the Word and then we can forget about it? We can look into the Word and we can forget what the Word shows us. Well, when we get up and we we open the Word, some of us in the morning, some of us in the evening, when we open the Word for that moment in our day, it's kind of like walking by the mirror at the beginning of the day. You can walk by the mirror and you can be looking pretty good. In fact, you might have your best best spring dress on. You might have your, your, your favorite nicely pressed shirt on. You might even go the whole route. You might even have a business suit on. You might even look really, really good. And you look in the mirror, and it it does you good. You walk out the door with confidence. But if you walk out the door with your best outfit on with confidence that day, and then you spend the rest of the day slogging through the mud and dumpster diving behind our restaurants down there in Vienna, that moment in front of the mirror is not going to do you very much good, is it? You see, I have a feeling one of the reasons why we forget what we see when we look into the Word is all that other stuff on our devices and all that other stuff in our lives.
How much time do you spend reading and hearing the word compared to the time you spend listening to combative conversations on talk radio or argumentative cable news channels? How much time do you spend listening to God through the word and prayer in comparison to to time on Hulu and Netflix and social media? The pastor's gone to meddling now. The Bible's a mirror that shows us what we're like, but the rest of that stuff in our culture, it's trying to tell us who we are too. If we let culture just tell us who we are, culture will tell us we're consumers, and we live and breathe and move and have our being to consume and accumulate more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. If we let our culture and our media tell us what we're like, the the, the culture and the media that we're in will tell us we're political animals that just live to argue and argue and argue and, and find out who's against us. If we spend more time on those stories than we spend on the stories of the Word of God, the truth is we'll forget who we are. Even if we look in the mirror for a tiny little bit of the day every day, if we spend more time in those other stories, we'll always forget who we are. Somebody's probably asking, but so am I just supposed to sit around and read the Bible all day long? (laughs) Actually, the truth of the matter is that might not help much. Leonard Sweet tells a story of the Prince of Grenada, an heir to a Spanish crown. He was sentenced to solitary confinement for life. He was only given one thing to occupy his mind. They gave him a copy of the Bible. There was nothing else to compete with it. All he had was the Bible. He read it hundreds and hundreds of times. He read it to himself out loud just so he could hear another voice. The book became his constant companion. And after 33 years of of imprisonment and solitary confinement, he died. When they came to clean out his cell, they found some notes. He'd scratched in the soft clay of the walls with a nail or something. The notations went something like this. Psalm 118.8 is the middle verse of the Bible. Ezra 7.21 contains all the letters of the alphabet except the letter J. The ninth verse of the eighth chapter of Esther is the longest verse in the Bible. No word or name, more than six syllables, can be found anywhere in the Bible. This man spent 33 years reading and hearing nothing but the greatest book of all time, yet all he did was become an expert at Bible trivia. As a preacher, I've got to tell you that this passage of Scripture in James and that story right there haunts me. Because if we imprison our faith to just this place where we sit and we hear the Word, that means the greatest sermons that I could ever preach or the greatest sermons that anyone else could ever preach could actually amount to nothing. You see, the Word of God is supposed to do much more than inform our minds and inspire our hearts. The Word of God is meant to empower our actions. We're supposed to do the word. Do the word. 
on one level, that's just really good education theory. When I, when I was in high school, my English teacher assigned us Romeo and Juliet, the, the play to read. And we didn't just read the play. We actually read some of it out loud in class, but we didn't just read the play. We also had a, had a project we had to do. And so you had to do something that you brought this physical object in that you had made in relationship to Romeo and Juliet. And I remember to this day what I did. I took two pieces of plywood, one for the base and one for the, for the standing part of it, and I built a tombstone. And then I took one of those old-timey wood-burning kits, and I, I, I burned the epitaph into the tombstone, and it said, Romeo and Juliet, cause of death, love. I remember almost the whole story, and I remember what I burned onto that, wood, onto that tombstone decades ago. You know why? Because I didn't just read it. I did something. I, I do that in life nowadays, too, and it'll, it'll happen Possibly this summer. It happens most summers. You see, we travel sometimes for vacations in the summer. One summer, our family was going to the mountains of Colorado for vacation, and I read the story of George Mallory, a 1920s Mount Everest climber. I remember almost the entire book because while I was reading the book by the campfire at night, I was climbing mountains in the day. When we went to the other end of things, we went to Carlsbad, New Mexico, in that giant cave down there. I read a book called Blind Descent. It's the account of the deepest expositions into caves in the history of the world. I remember that book because it was incredibly scary, and I remember most of the inside of that cave because I read, and I did. I didn't just read a book about exploring a cave. I explored a cave. Any teacher worth her salt will tell you that if students hear and act, they learn much more and they remember much more than if all they did was read or hear a story. It's true of any book or any story you'll ever hear, and it's doubly true of the Bible. You see, the Bible doesn't just describe or dictate our actions. It goes deeper than that. It doesn't just show us our physical appearance. The Bible reveals the reasons behind what we do in life. The book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, Indeed, the word of God is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and bare to the eyes of the one to whom they must render account. When we read the Word, now catch this, when we read the Word, God actually uses the Word of God to read us. When we read the Word, God allows us to, to see ourselves in the Word of God, and, and through the Word, we read ourselves. To open the Word of God is to look into a mirror that, if you let it, can show you everything about yourself. You might read the word, pride goes before the fall, and immediately you remember haughty words you said the day before. You might read the words, in your anger, do not sin, and remember a conversation that got way, way too intense. The Bible acts as a mirror. And in those moments when we're alone and we're reading the word of God, it's almost like we're looking into a mirror and, and the Bible is reading us. but it acts like a very special kind of mirror. You see, 
most mirrors, and when you hold a phone up with that selfie camera on, it shows you a, a picture of yourself. But the Bible does more than that. When James is talking, he says, do not be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. If you're going on vacation, don't take a, don't take a vacation from the word. If you're driving a long way, have somebody in the car read the word to you. Or you can have version read it to you through the speakers of your car. I do that by myself sometimes, and we do that on the journey sometimes as well. Hearers of the word. We have this technology where the word can be read to us from any phone anywhere. James didn't have that technology. The reason he said the word hearers of the word is because in their situation, not everybody had their own Bible on a phone or even on a bookshelf or a desk. They probably had one copy and everybody got together. Most of the time, they had one copy and everybody got together and someone read it and everyone else heard it. Someone interpreted what was read and applied it to the, what, their, what their church was facing in culture at that moment, sort of like what's happening today. There was this, this group of people that heard the word together. I once talked to a pastor who told me that an architect who was working with his church told him that if you... Uh, if you have limited restroom space, uh, there's a workaround on that. If you have limited restroom space in your church and you're concerned about that, what you need to do is make a whole wall of mirrors in the lobby of the church. Here's how it works. If people can glance in a mirror as they're walking through the lobby, you'll completely cut the traffic going into the bathroom. I laughed too, and then I thought, that's creepy. I mean, when I'm going to check the mirror, I'm not sure I want to be standing there with all the people from my church right beside me. I'm checking the mirror like, hey, sir, you got something in your, yeah, over there, right here, right here, yeah. It's, it just seems kind of creepy, but the truth of the matter is, it's what we're doing right now. Isn't it? We've opened the word and we're hearers of the word this morning. We're looking into this mirror together. And that's really what the scripture is about. It's about community. God used the church, the community of faith, to produce the scripture in that time. And over and over and over again since then, he's used the scripture in every generation to reproduce the church, the community. When we open up the word of God, it shows us what we're like, but it always shows us what we're like in relationship to the people around us. It's like a mirror that shows me not only myself, but how I relate to my family and my friends, to my co-workers. The book of James shows us what we're like in our relationship to the rich and the poor and the powerful and the weak, to strangers and to the vulnerable. It shows us what we're like in relationship to people who worship with us, and it shows us what we're like in relationship to people who disagree with us. But it shows us even more than that. James calls us to be the kind of people that look in to the perfect law of God. As we're plowing through the book of James this summer, if you want to know more about it, there are lots of places you can read resources, and most of them will tell you that James is a very Jewish kind of book. It was probably written to Christians who were also Jews. In that day, Jews were very, very passionate 
and wanting to know everything they could about the Scripture. When they read it to each other, they read it constantly out loud, and they, they thought that through searching the Scriptures, they could find eternal life, a way to live forever. They thought if they looked into Scripture and they saw their lives there, they would live forever. Their study sort of focused on the law. Eventually, they discerned 613 laws, mostly things you were not supposed to do. The laws of Scripture showed them this life that they were looking for. And in that life, there was no stealing and no murder and no lying, no vulgar language, no work on the Sabbath, no idols, no gods of any kind other than the one true God, no, adult, no adultery, no coveting. They were hearers of the word, and by focusing on all those commandments that they said, Thou shalt not, they became known for what they avoided. They were hearers of the word, and they became non-doers. I think that kind of life is still tempting for folks who come to church on Sunday morning and sit here to look into the mirror together. We want to look into Scripture and hear a pastor tell us what we have to stop doing in order to get to heaven. If we don't do this, that, or the other, I'll probably make it. If all we are are hearers who stop doing things, this passage says, we deceive ourselves. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. The passage goes on to say, if we don't do the will of the Father, one day we'll hear the words, depart from me. I never knew you. I've said it before many times, and I'll say it again. Salvation by subtraction is not enough. Yes, God saves us from the hurtful, devastating, awful things that we should never, ever be doing, but He also saves us from the apathy and self-centeredness that prevents us from doing His will. James calls his readers and hearers to look into the perfect law. But he calls it the law of liberty. You see, God only gave Israel the law after he'd liberated them from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, after he'd saved them from certain death by parting the waters of the Red Sea and letting them walk through on dry ground. The law was simply how they lived in response to this God who had saved them. But the law itself was incomplete. The law couldn't save them. It won't save us. One day a bunch of those people who were intent on looking into the law and finding eternal life were hanging around with Jesus. They were, they were there and probably thinking about their 613 commandments and Jesus said to them in John chapter 5, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. Then he said something incredible, incredibly powerful. He said, The scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me and receive life. 
Scripture shows us this law that God has given us, and it reveals to us our life, and it shows us that our lives just don't measure up. But Scripture also shows us Jesus. We see that he died and he rose again to liberate us from slavery to sin, and we also see that he's coming back someday to set the world right we look into Scripture and we see this broad story and the, the climax of the story is Jesus. But we also see something else in there. It reminds me of a, uh, a children's Sunday school classroom I once visited. You ever been in there? Those are fascinating places. There's always something hanging on the wall. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense unless you were there during that lesson, but there's always something hanging on the wall. In this Sunday school classroom, it really made sense. There was a timeline that went all the way along this long wall, and it was awesome. It was a timeline of the entire story of Scripture on the wall. It started with creation, then it started with the first, then it went to the first sin, and then it had Noah and the ark, and then it had the Tower of Babel, and then it had um, it had the call of Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob, and then Joseph taking the people of God into. Egypt, and then 400 years later, Moses leading them out of Egypt, and then Joshua leading them into the promised land, and then it had, it had pictures that assembled the, the stories of the judges, and the kings, and the prophets, and, and then it, it moved, like had to have a break, and it moved to the New Testament. It showed a picture of Jesus and what he was doing, and the cross, and his death and resurrection, and then out here on the end, it was the return of Jesus, but between Jesus death and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit and out here on the end where Jesus would return there was something on the wall in that timeline you know what it was it was a mirror it was a mirror and it was all about this tall so if you were about this tall you would walk in and you would experience the entire story from creation all the way through the story and just before you got to Jesus return you'd see yourself and every one of those little ones would find themselves as actors in the story of God. They realized they had a part to play that isn't just for people this tall. It's for people this tall. And this tall and everywhere in between. We take our place and become an actor in God's story when we meet Jesus. And we give him our life and we receive his life into us. All of a sudden, we have a brand new story. And every day we open the story in order to find ourselves in the story, Jesus died and rose again in order to free us, to liberate us so that we could find our place. To act in God's story because we're living a new life. The life Jesus offers us is incredibly interesting. He, he modeled it for us. 
You see, Jesus didn't just come and die and rise again. He did a bunch of other stuff along the way. He spoke God's word so people could be hearers of the word, but he also did God's word. In fact, the scripture says Jesus was God's word. He embodied God's word. He welcomed and blessed squirrely kids that his disciples were trying to get rid of. Don't you love it when you hear kid sounds in the church? I absolutely love that. It's fantastic. Jesus welcomed and blessed squirrely kids that the disciples were trying to, to, to get rid of. He touched the rotting flesh of a leper and healed him. He spit on mud and made a salve and put it on some blind eyes so that somebody could see. He prayed and then he broke bread and fish and fed hungry people. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed his disciples' dirty feet. Looking intently into the perfect law of God means hearing God's word and seeing the life of Jesus. When we persevere in that, this passage says, when our lives are lived in that story, this passage says, we are blessed in the doing. I told you before, um, you probably didn't hear it first from me, that you can turn the camera around on your phone and take a picture of yourself. You can see yourself in your phone. Um, some of the young folks know how to do something that I don't really know how to do, but I'll tell you what happens. You can take a picture of yourself, and then on some app somewhere, you can find a filter, and you can become something else. Pretty little girls can choose the princess filter and it puts a tiara on their head and sparklies everywhere. Young boys can put the Bob the Builder thing on and they get helmets and whatever. Cincinnati Reds fans can put the Cincinnati Reds filter on and they get a, a baseball cap and, and a jersey goes on their body and maybe a bat across their shoulder. It's like you can look in there and you can see yourself, but you can see more than yourself. One day I went to a, a church work day, um, and, and I had a big axe, and I had it over my shoulder, and I had a pair of cargo shorts on, and, and my, my lanky, skinny self was walking across uh, the field with this axe because we were going to go do some work, and, and, and this conniving guy took a picture of me from the church. <clears throat> the next Sunday on the big screen, the picture was a bit different. I'd put on about 40 pounds right here. I just, I was burly, I was bulky, I was ripped, I was cut. My neck, or my shoulders started right here at the bottom of my ears and just went straight to my shoulders. I had no neck. When we look into Scripture, we see ourselves. But we don't just see who we are. We see who we could be. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. When we hear the word of God, 
we see the life of Jesus right there before us, and we look intently into the Word of God, and the Spirit does this amazing thing. The Spirit makes us into doers who act like Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verse 47, Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock, and when the flood rose, the river burst against that house, but could not shake it, because it had been well built. Those who hear and act on it. School's out for the summer. That means our college students are home, well, sort of. They're home, and they're here, and they're there, and they're everywhere. If you talk to any of them, Zach was here, he played the bass this morning. If you talk to any of them, they'll tell you they're kind of glad for a break from all the brain work. They'll tell you if you spend almost all your time in classes hearing words or in study reading words and trying to memorize words, after a while, if all you're trying to do is just cram your head full of stuff, it begins to be hard to sort it all out and remember all of it. So they're glad to be home, or at least not at school for a while. Some of them are home, but some of them aren't here. I don't know what all of them are doing, but I know what some of them are doing. Garrett Walker is a um, major in youth ministry and um, I I think recreational ministry. He is out of school for the summer and he is working at the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association, and he is serving here as an intern for our youth ministry, uh, leading the Wednesday nights for our youth ministry. And I think he's doing some preaching at some churches on Sunday mornings as well. He's been studying, 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 and now... Through the summer, he's, he's doing. He's doing. Gracie Craig uh, is out of school for the summer, and I think she is going to a um, youth camp to serve as a counselor through the summer, studying, 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 and then she's going to be doing. Our daughter Sarah is living with a family in Toledo, and she's serving in the youth ministry of the church where that family attends, but she's really there also to work in two homeless shelters all summer long in the inner city of Toledo. They've been studying, 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 cramming so much into their heads, and the information just seems to overflow, and they can't process it all, but this summer, they're doing. I, I covet this moment for every one of them. I believe it'll happen at some point through the summer, maybe even at the end of the summer. I covet this moment for them when they're worn out and they're tired and they've been doing, doing, doing. And they open up the scripture. And they're reading and they begin to get an image of Jesus in their mind. And as they're looking into scripture and they're contemplating Jesus, they get a glimpse of themselves. I'm going to ask them if it happens because I believe it will. I believe they'll open up the scripture in the midst of all the doing and they'll see themselves in there. How about you? 
How will the Spirit have you acting out the Word of God this summer? I'll tell you something I'm going to attempt anyway. I've done it once or twice before. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to stop by the detox facility that's a couple of miles from my house. I'm just going to happen in and ask them if there's anything I can do. One of our board members, Stanley Beckner, has contacted Old Man Rivers, a ministry that feeds the hungry right here on the south side. And they have a small construction project, some siding they need put on a building. They were very excited to know that we were interested in that. If you'd like to be involved in helping with that, talk to Stanley. He's our go-between there. With kids at camp and van drivers on vacation and, and all the, the upset of the schedule, we've changed the schedule for children's ministry and, and for about eight weeks we won't be doing things with van ministry. Um, just because of the nature of the summer and some of our kids are away with the other parent or something. But we want to crank that back up again in August. And we have to right now have people praying about who's going to drive and who's going to do children's ministry. And we still need nursery care and we still need Sunday morning children's church care. We, we need you to be praying about how you'll act out the word of God. Folks, we're supposed to look like the Jesus that we see in Scripture. But if all we do is just glance into Scripture once in a while and go about doing our own thing, we'll always forget what we're supposed to look like. You're probably not going to, on Sunday, be able to say, oh, I read this on Thursday. That's probably not how it works. Here's how it works. I read something from the Word of God on Thursday, and I remember that because I'm still different on Sunday because I've been acting it all week long. Folks, we've got to let the Holy Spirit make us into doers who act I'm going to invite our worship team to come and to, to prepare to lead us in a song this morning. We're going to sing, and there's action in that, but we want to give you an opportunity to act today as well. Maybe today is the first day that you've realized God has written this story of him setting the world right, and he's showing you a, a mirror and saying, I want you to be a part of my story. You've got actions to take. Maybe today's the day where you turn and follow Jesus by giving him your life and receiving his life into yours. And you live out the life of Jesus who spent his whole life doing the word. Maybe today's that day for you. We want to give you an action to take today. If today's the day you accept the life that Jesus gives you, it's pretty simple. You just walk to an altar and you kneel down and pray and you say, God, here's my life. I give it to you. I receive the life of Jesus. I'm going I'm to play my part in your story. That's all it takes. Maybe that's already been a part of your life. Maybe, maybe you've already given your life to Jesus and received the life of Jesus in you, but you're convicted today because you've been settling for hearing and hearing only. I want to give you an opportunity to act today. As we sing today, again, it's okay to get out your phone or your, your calendar or your date book. As we sing today, 
as we give in a few minutes at any point, I want you to be praying, God, how do I do your word? And then get out that calendar and put in the time when you're going to act. As we sing this morning, I'd encourage you to let the Holy Spirit turn you into a doer who acts like Jesus. Oh, you're great hearers. I love to preach to you. You give full attention all the time. Let's look into the law of liberty that liberates our faith even from this room so that we hearers can look into the scripture and see Jesus and ourselves there and go out and be doers who act. Let's stand together this morning. If today's the day you're ready to take your place in the story of God and receive the life of Jesus, this altar is open. Act on what the word is saying to you. Maybe you need to write down something that can't happen today here but needs to happen tomorrow or this afternoon. Take the action of reminding yourself to do it. We're hearers of the word. Let's let the spirit transform us into doers who act. Let's sing together this morning.